Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon And I'm Emma Gray And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows, and we can't live without them. But we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, where this week, we're in the danger zone. I mean, honestly, every week of The Bachelorette feels like the danger zone to me. Yeah, there's no time for comfort during Michelle's journey. This is serious. Some might say risky business. I'm mixing references now. It's week three. We've already had like three drama explosions. It's a lot. Frankly, I'm exhausted. So obviously, we had to bring a heavy hitter in to pick up some of our slack post-Halloween Here to discuss Michelle's second week of dates is friend of the pod and our old colleague, HuffPost Senior Enterprise Editor, Erin Evans. Erin, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me here on this very wild week of an episode. (laughs) I mean, a momentous occasion, really. Yeah. You might say that we're all mavericks in our (laughs) own right. (laughs) Is that what a maverick is? I've actually... Never seen Top Gun, um, so it means nothing to me. A lot of this episode was inscrutable to me because I've never seen Top Gun, but I did my best. And this week, I mean, there was just so much packed in. We're just going to have to march right on through. Uh, Let's get started. Michelle is stoically donning a sexy flight suit as we open this episode, She is very shaken. She's very hurt by what she learned from Jamie about how all the other guys in the house apparently don't respect her, but she has to soldier on in her khaki shorter all, and that's what makes her bachelorette quality, right? Nothing can stop her journey to love, even all of the men allegedly questioning her character, and that's why we respect Michelle. She's not going to give up on this journey. She will find a way to fall in love with one of those guys who hates her. It's going to (laughs) happen. And 
Meanwhile, we see Rodney and Casey debriefing by the pool. And they've been two of the sort of menschy figures in the house so far, I think. And they both agree, like, oh, it was so painful to see how hurt Michelle was. We hope that the person who told her about this got rooted out at the rose ceremony um, so that we don't have any more drama. But they kind of feel like there might be a rat in their midst. And they're correct. It's Jamie. It's Jamie. Speaking of Jamie, the guys are now assembling for their first date card of the week. And Joe says, you know, basically that he's upset at how upset Michelle was at the last cocktail hour and that she should be their focus and not him. And this is when Jamie pipes up with a little something. I think we have a clip. Personally, I've felt like I was in the best position because of the fact that I've already had one-on-one time with Michelle. And so I think it gave me a lot of insight into Michelle. I think it gave me a lot more mindfulness in regards to our conversations with each other. I was the one to share that information about Joe with Michelle, but no one knows it was me to have the conversation. Frankly, at this point, given my relationship with her, I don't care. I'm good. Are you good, Jamie? Are you? The way that the, the compulsion that he seems to feel to constantly to the guys give these sort of faux thoughtful monologues that are like, the thing about me and Michelle is like, Jamie and Michelle have a really trusting relationship that's built off of my character and openness with her and the connection we've been able to build. And the guys are all just like, okay. uh." Yeah, it's like he's saying he has a compulsion to say the thing that will endear him to the other people he's sharing space with the least. And it's a very misguided way to interact socially. Yeah, I I don't know what's going on with Jamie at this point. Like, I feel like he came in with, like, a lot of confidence, and it's starting to to sour. Like, I don't think it's serving him anymore. But he keeps, like, giving also these little in-the-moments that we hear where he'll say, like, I'm the one who did it, and no one knows, and I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> that sound, like, kind of edited together, but clearly he's giving them a lot to work with. I don't know. He seems like a little bit too cozy with his producer, given what we see him later. Like, be careful. I know. This is how you get yourself into trouble on these shows. You just keep talking and you're like, ah, yes, we just shoot the shit and I can just tell you whatever is on my mind, forgetting that this will all be used against you. Yeah. So Caitlin arrives with a date card. Martin, LT, Olu, Spencer, Clayton, Nate, Joe, Rick, Will, and Peter. I want a man who isn't afraid of the danger zone. So yeah, it's a Top Gun date. It's a Top Gun Maverick 2022 date. I think this movie is coming out next year. That was my understanding. It's coming out very Um, soon. I'm Googling. Very soon. Soon. Mm Mm-hmm. You can tell I'm no longer on a uh, movie release calendar <laughs> type of work schedule, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're like that is a movie that I assume is dropping sometime in the I near like, future, given the tie-in here. I was like, isn't that the guy from Set It Up? Anyway, <laughs> I was like, I'm experiencing a lot of Jay Ellis this week with him on this and oh, on yeah. Insecure. So I yeah. know I was like, wow, I'm upset that both Glenn Powell and Jay Ellis have been reduced to hosting a date on The Bachelorette. I was like, so sorry, guys. 
I forgot how cute Glenn Powell was, though. They're both <laughs> so, so they're both very attractive. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I was like, if I was Michelle, I would just be like, why am I dating these losers? I should be dating, you know, a B-list movie actor. That's, That's what always I the risk of bringing these guys in. So they're at an airfield. All the men are just buzzing with testosterone because they're surrounded by so many different kinds of airplane, which is just the manliest thing that you can imagine. And what's even more appealing to a red-blooded American male than being at an airfield surrounded by planes, a hot woman in a sexy flight suit jumping out of a tiny Navy plane and over the wing to greet them. Nate's like, that whole thing was sexy. Like, that's what men want, right? Like, they want you to be wearing shorts in a plane. I haven't tried that before, but maybe, you know, I'll put that on my list. Yeah, that's what's holding a lot of women back is that it doesn't occur to them to try this. Yeah, it's just like we haven't had access to enough (laughs) tiny grounded airplanes. (laughs) That's one of the actual like one of the many ways that you see like the class disparity manifest. It's like, how am I supposed to date and find love if I don't have access to aircraft? (laughs) But Michelle is now in that position and she is she is rocking it. She looks really good. She's full of enthusiasm. Peter, also very full of enthusiasm. Top Gun was his favorite movie as a kid. He's like, I don't know whether it's the volleyball scene or I'm running out of fuel. (laughs) And I was like, Peter, I don't know what you're talking about, but I I need you to take it down like 16 notches right now. Peter does not have the ability to take it down a single notch. He (laughs) only knows how to raise the volume. Yeah, There's no turning it back down. He's always on 10. But Glenn and Jay, as mentioned, are here to help Michelle find a maverick and also love the two most important things in the movie, Top Gun Maverick, which is what we are all here to discuss today. (laughs) The boys all go get their flight suits on. They slow walk across the airfield. The ones who have a lot of chains make sure to keep their air suits open to the navel so we can see all of them. I'm looking at you, I mean, why are you going to wear jewelry? If you can't show it off. I often feel this way about turtlenecks, to be honest. So, like, I relate, you know. It's like, where are my dainty necklaces going to go? They're engulfed. Exactly. Um, Glenn and Jay line them up and assign call signs. Uh, Will is Lil Willie, of course. Rick is tabletop, which I enjoyed. Yes. Martin is frosting. That was good, too. They find out Peter owns a pizzeria, and they call him Doughboy. <laughs> Which Olu finds hysterical. He's like, back in my hood, Doughboy is a gangster name. Like, someone that's tough. Peter? No. Absolutely yeah. not. Olu's just, like, sitting there quietly shaking his head in the back. Like, LOL. My mind immediately went to Boys in the Hood because that's the character's nickname in the show. And I'm like, Peter? Or, no. Like, let's not do this. Like, no. No. So they're running some drills for the guys. They're having them do their push-ups and their burpees i assume and martin takes a moment frosting as we call him now to pull michelle aside and ask how she's doing after everything that went down and the other guys are like pretty annoyed um because this is a classic getting a leg up on the other guys move but you gotta make it yeah respect to martin i feel like this was a very good episode for martin he's like getting himself in there. He's making himself a major player, but without 
really fucking with anyone else. He's doing it in a way that is smart. He's still making friends in the house and he's making a genuine effort with Michelle. I I love to see it. Yeah, it was good. Otherwise, I like wouldn't know who he was. I'm notoriously bad at remembering these contestants' names. Oh, I would because his hair is very (laughs) upsetting to me, Aaron, and his good personality is um, slowly overcoming that aversion for me. Martin's whole look to me is the look of a man who doesn't want you to find it difficult to remember his name. Like, he's got the hair, (laughs) but he's also often wearing, like, statement glasses or, like, violently brightly colored patterned shirts. Like, his is a look that says, you will remember me, even if you've forgotten everyone else. Fair enough, and fair enough. he's also he's also taking that time to, like, check in with Michelle. And she loves it. She really appreciates it. And she's, like, also at the rose ceremony after you got your rose, you told me, like, you got this. And I thought that was very sweet, too. Like, his his angle here, his strategy is be the guy who pumps Michelle up. And, like, every bachelorette needs and deserves at least one guy like that in the house. So I love Martin for for stepping up. But now they all have to take the ultimate test, a G4 simulator. Um, I didn't enjoy watching this as someone who gets motion sick on a five-minute car ride. Yeah, Claire, you would really not do well on this. I've, I've seen you in like a lightly stop and go New Jersey <laughs> traffic situation, um, which I'm going to say is tamer than this G4 simulator. Most of my good friends uh, at some point have seen me exit an Uber in order to barf on the ground. Oh, so um, uh, not because of drunkenness, not because of drunkenness. <laughs> and we, we've got a few guys in the group who seem to have this issue. Will is like, oh, man, I packed motion sickness pills, but like they're not here. That was Will's most relatable moment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, I feel like. <laughs> but I was impressed. None of the men seemed to actually vomit. Several were nervous. Yeah. But it didn't happen. Yeah, even Will doesn't. Uh, Will just is sweating throughout this whole experience. Um, <laughs> he is in a cold sweat from fear. But this whole episode also fuels the Peter and Will feud because during the G4 simulator, which is where you're in kind of uh, a harness. Uh, hooked up to sort of concentric rings that whirl you around in all directions. While they're doing this, they have to declare their feelings for Michelle, which is just, like, such a humiliating thing. Like, as, like, I can't imagine, I would be so embarrassed. You're being, like, whirled around, like, jerked up and down like a rag doll, and you have to be like, Michelle, from the moment I saw you, (laughs) I thought that you seemed like the future wife of my dreams were going to grow all together. Like, it's horrible. But Peter gets around this a little bit, I think, by doing Italian, like speaking in Italian. I think it's a really good move for the men who are bilingual. Like, if you can just say something in another language, Michelle doesn't seem to be fluent in either Spanish or Italian. So... It just, it doesn't matter. You don't need to be. He could be saying any shit. Everyone's like, wow, that's the best so far. And I'm like, he could be saying anything. (laughs) Just throw something on the wall. See what happens. (laughs) See what sticks. Will then speaks in Spanish during, during his. And Peter is livid. 
incensed. He's like, that was my move. Like, Will stole my shit. Like, he stole it. He's like, it. I own languages. <laughs> I own having languages. It's rude. <sighs> All the other guys, he's like bitching to the other guys about this. And they're literally just looking at him like, are you talking? are you talking to me like stop like i don't want to be the other dude seems so annoyed by peter throughout this entire episode and i really loved them for it i loved it so much because they're just like yo we don't have time for your games and foolery and just like find something else to be talking talking about and find someone else to talk to which is more important (laughs) yeah they're like do you think that we're going to waste our time like joining your side in a feud against will because you both spoke in non-English languages today? Like, absolutely not. Like, we're here to do something else completely. And Michelle has Will translate what he's saying, and he does. And it's very sweet. And then when he stops, it looks like he's going to puke. Michelle asks if he needs a bucket, and he says, I need you. Oh. Winner, winner, chicken dinner right there. Yeah. (laughs) He really pulled it off. Not for me. I was a little, I was like, now I want to puke, but um, <laughs> I could see why. It, it worked for everyone else. <laughs> yes, I yes. can see why Michelle was into it. Yeah, it really seemed to work for Glenn and Jay. They were like, wow, um, that man did something additional. He's the winner. Yes. Well, they also do dog fights, which we have to mention because what of what happened oh, between yes. I'm Will so and sorry. Peter here. I think I blocked that out. Same. Oh my God. They're like, like all real pilots, you have to compete in dog fights. And I was like, I missed the thing where pilots have to compete in, in hand-to-hand combat with padded <laughs> sticks. Yeah, I was like, I suspect that's not real. Yes. A dog fight is an aerial <laughs> battle between two planes. I guess they didn't want to have the guys do this. So (laughs) their planes are these padded sticks that they bash each other with, which is similar to a dog fight. They're really just like, what's a way that we can, like, wedge some hand-to-hand combat into this date? And, of course, Lil Willie and Doughboy are the last pairing. And Will just absolutely beats the stuffing out of Peter. Like... (laughs) Beats the dough out of him. (laughs) Yeah, Peter is just... He's needing him. I mean, it was one of those moments where I was like, wow, it's so easy to suddenly say, I love that we're seeing that Peter is not a real man because he's bad at physical violence. And I was like, wait, no, that's not the that's not the <laughs> takeaway here. But But all the guys are finding a lot of satisfaction. I mean, the thing about it is that, like, Physical violence is obviously not uh, the measure of how deserving someone is. But you know if Peter had won, he would be he would such be a so smug asshole about oh. it. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly just delicious to watch him lose because he puts stock in these kind of things. Not that, like, we put stock in exactly. it. Yeah, and it's like, oh, he... he can only win in a physical fight when the other guys think they're just playing musical chairs. And then he's happy to, like, stomp all over them. Um, But at the end, Glenn and Jay do select Will as the winner. And he's given a bomber jacket and some one-on-one time with Michelle, driving in a vintage sports car, which, by the way, is from the movie Top Gun Maverick, which will be in theaters everywhere soon. (laughs) And Michelle insists on driving. Love that for her. He's like, you're driving? And she's like, yes. Yes, I am. She's like, obviously. I'm the bachelorette. Like, <laughs> what do you think this is? <laughs> yeah. 
Is this a show about you, Will? No. No. (laughs) No. One of us is the main character here, and it's not you, Lil Willie. (laughs) But Peter is just continuing to seethe. We're getting lots of Peter seething throughout as Will and, and Michelle drive off into the sunset. I think we actually have a clip of some of his seething. Enjoy your five minutes. Enjoy your little bomber jacket. Kids a bump. I'm more of a self-made man and not a man that needs to knock somebody else down metaphorically and physically in order for them to try to shine. Again, we're talking about someone who last week, like, physically knocked people to the ground in order to shine at musical chairs. Like, that's literally what he did. He's insufferable. I just can't. I can't deal with him at all. Whether he wins something or loses, I'm just like, please, just get away from me, please. <laughs> I think that's an attitude uh, and feeling shared by many of the other men <laughs> as well, Aaron. Yeah. Like, by the time they get to the night portion of this date, everyone just seems, like, very over Peter. Will is still riding high off the glow of beating his rival. And also Michelle, yada, yada, but, like, felt really yeah, yeah. good Michelle, to be Michelle, Peter, sure. for sure. Michelle is an afterthought. <laughs> he has a jacket, and he bested Peter. These are the important things. This is the best day of, P- of Will's life, probably. Absolutely. A jacket and and winning. During the, the time that Michelle spends with the guys, I notice, like, Clayton is getting lots of narrative moments, like, moments to sort of narrate what's happening in this episode, but he never, like, says anything notable. I'm still, like, not, like, connecting with him as a character. It's always, like, cut to Clayton being, like, anyway, I really hope that, like, there's not too much drama later so that I get some time with Michelle. And I'm, like, great, Clayton. Thanks for that. Yeah, it really feels like, like from the previews, we know he's going to be a much more major character, but... Hasn't happened it's, yet. It's a slow burn so far. He does get a moment with Michelle uh, where she basically says, like, oh, you're already getting more relaxed. I see your personality coming out. And he says that he wishes she had gotten to go on the spinny thing. And so he has her grab his hands and whirls her around. Uneasy, but but cute move. It works. They kiss. She seems pleased. Clayton is cute. And I, I, how I keep track of all these people, this episode was a good example of like, coming up with nicknames for people so that you remember who they actually are and Clayton's nickname in my head is Clayton with the back because he has like a very broad back and you can see it in that moment when they're spinning and I'm like okay you're doing something for me he is a football player so that does that tracks that tracks all right yeah he's he's sturdy I feel like he could have spun her around for a while except he got like he got dizzy from spinning (laughs) right it's like I can't we just have to make out instead exactly there are a couple moments with some of the other guys Nate tells Michelle that he's catching feelings and that he feels like a little boy with her And she's like, I'm catching feelings as well. And Nate's like, look at us. Look at us. And they make out. They're cute together. I'm so into the two of them. And also just Nate's Nate's nose ring continues to Mm -hmm. really work for me. Nate's really cute, but he looks like Chris Brown, you guys. And... (gasps) I'm oh my god! Away no. from this conversation, and I'm just gonna drop that here and leave it. Leave it there. <laughs> oh, Aaron, I really wish you hadn't told me that. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> He's so much taller, though. Does that give you, like, can that give you some, like, emotional distance? No. Giant Chris Brown. <laughs> oh, that sounds more that appealing. It, that's something we've all wanted to have, right? Like a more giant Chris Brown in the world. Yeah, I also feel like Nate is maybe... Nate strikes me as as a guy who is a bit of a player and, like, has a very easy time being flirtatious mm-hmm. with Michelle. But they, they, but he does, like, they do have a very, like... They have a vibe. Good Absolutely. vibe together. It's, it's still too early to tell where it's going to go, but they have a very strong vibe. Yes. There's a comfort. There's, like, a, a little sexual tension. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's promising, I think. Yeah, that's going to change how I look at him now, though. Thank you, Aaron. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she sits down with Joe for a little bit. She's feeling good. Joe and Nate are two of, I think, her her top, top contenders. So I agree. She's like, I have this wonderful group of mature men. Today is going so great. Obviously, now we have to cut to Peter and Will having a very wonderful and mature difference of opinion. I think we have a clip of this. You're a coward. Did you show up? You were the, did did you I show, show up? Absolutely, hey, I showed up. Hey, Absolutely, no, I showed up because I showed hey, Michelle no, that that's when, why your ass was on the ground. when a bully tries to knock somebody down, that's why your ass was I on the keep ground. standing up, that's and I keep standing up because that's what a real down. man does. And I'm going to knock keeps, your ass back down. You're not a man. You're a bully. You're a bully. You're going to crumble in life if you keep this up. Yeah, pizza boy. See the checks that I cash and then you call me a pizza boy. You'd be wishing you were a pizza boy, bro. That money ain't bringing you character. Brings me class. It brings you a big mouth. Bro, you hate my mouth because you wish you had it. You you talk about this whole pizza business not even open, bro. That's all you've been talking you about. Me, this whole pizza man. Pizza I got three locations, baby, where bro. I change lives one slice at a time. How you, you like me now? You ain't changing nobody's lives, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. Changing. I change lives one slice at a time, bro. How you like me now? There's no coming back from that. Once you find out that a guy changes lives one slice at a time, like the you gotta just respect fight that. over. This is it was this was like a mad libs of nonsensical male fighting. Yes. Just like jab, 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 jab. Not landing anything. And none of it made sense. There was like yeah, there was no coherent flow to this argument. It was insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just talking over each other. It's yes. like they're having giving two separate monologues at the same time. Yes. <sighs> As a bachelor note taker, these kind of scenes make me crazy because um, it's just impossible to really tell what either of them is saying. And that's why we have clips. That's why we have clips. <laughs> because honestly, this works way better for me just like in isolation. Absolutely. It really shines. Yeah. It's uh It's a lot of fun. And what I love about this scene is that these guys are on opposite sides of, like, the L-shaped couch setup. And in different shots, you can see that, like, at various points, groups of the other guys are just sitting in between them. Like, the exact guys who are there, like, maybe changes. At one point, it's just Nate. But (laughs) they're all just sitting there staring glassily ahead of them. Like, when will this be over? Do not involve me. Do not engage. Do not. Yeah, they are trying so hard, especially when it's just Nate and he's so (laughs) tall, even sitting. And he's just, like, so visible, but staying completely still and staring off into the distance. Like, maybe if I just pretend to be a statue, (laughs) 
They will ignore my presence. Yeah. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm going to a quiet beach in my mind. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of meditation place. happening. Meanwhile, everybody else who is sitting on that couch, like slowly one by one gets up. To like I know, they're like, how do we do it in a in a way that doesn't cause a lot of disruption? Right. But I'm just imagining the rest of them, like, on the other side, like, gesturing to the rest of them. Like, like now, you can go now. now. Come on. Now. <laughs> so I think that it's only Nate left when the fighting begins to sort of coalesce around the topic of the bomber jacket, which Will has draped on the couch by him. I think we have a clip of this of this bit as well. Eventually, I'm, you're going to piss off the big dog, and I'm going to have to kick you down the you're road. not the big dog. The big dog has a jacket, bro. You're not the, the big dog, sympathy jacket. Bro. You're not the big dog. Trust me, you're not Did the Did you big check dog. the pockets in the jacket? You're not the big it dog. It came with a box of tissues. Bro, you're not the big dog. I look at it as a sympathy jacket. That's how I look at that jacket. I look at that jacket. I look at it like, like she I feels bad jacket. for you. Listen, just do yourself a favor. Just pull the tissues out of your jacket and wipe those tears up. I love the music at the end of these, where it's like, we don't really know how to end this clip, so da-da-da. Um, but this um, this is a revealing bit, I think, because both of the guys are really determined to come off as a big dog by saying more big dogish type things to the other person. And that's just, like, not how it works. They're just yelling big dog as yeah. many times as like, they can. Like, the more it's you insist on it, like... Will, I'm sorry, the more times that you say the big dog has a jacket, the less convinced I am that the big dog has a jacket. Absolutely. Correct. I want to be on your side here, but you're testing me. Like, pull a Nate, like, remove yourself from the situation, stare straight ahead while Peter tries to engage with you, and then he starts to think, is Will asleep with his eyes open? Like, what's going on? Make him very confused, Um, he'll self-destruct. Also, Peter. What do you have against male tears? Okay, let boys cry. That's right. Yeah, a lot of stigmatizing language around men having emotions during this part of the date, and it will continue. Um, Peter clearly has a fixation on this bomber jacket. That's going to come back to haunt this episode as well. Meanwhile, Martin, wearing some statement glasses and a turquoise and orange striped shirt... Look, I love a man in glasses. Every time any one of these dudes is wearing glasses, they suddenly, I'm like, ooh, ooh, that man is very hot. Like, it just, it really, it transforms. Martin is definitely cuter in the glasses, for sure. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Erin. I really felt this strongly. And I want to say, I think it really made an impact on Michelle because she's like, he has a lot of layers and depth. And I mean, is it the glasses? Do the glasses (laughs) add layers? They do, in a physical sense, add layers on his face. But I think they also create the impression of intellectual depth. So Mm -hmm. that's a great hack for a date. He sits with Michelle, and Michelle says that she made a mental note about him pulling her aside. She really appreciated it. And he says, at the end of the day, the guys here all, like, make an impression, make an impression. But they forget that sometimes you'll shut down, and that's when we really need to, like, pay attention to you and listen to you. And Michelle's like, uh-huh, seems like you've got it all figured out. I thought this was a funny moment. I feel like Michelle was kind of checking him here. What did you guys think about this? Like, like he was being a little bit, like, sort of smug about how much better he was handling it than the other guys. And she's like, oh, like, you've got it all figured out, don't you? 
I feel like she was just doing a little like jokey, flirty ribbing. Kind yeah. Of. I don't know. I, di- I didn't read it as a check, but. My mind immediately went to that guy she had to kick off who had that handbook essentially of how to work the bachelorette. And I was like, I don't know. She might still be holding on a little bit of some strategic thinking from that moment. And that might be why she said that. Mm, that that's was the thing. where I had went. My head went. I feel like Jamie does this too. Mm-hmm. But Martin's doing it really explicitly here. There's a temptation that some of the guys have to just tell her basically what their strategy is. Yep. Like they're sitting down with her and they're like, my thing is when you really need me, that's when I'm going to get in there. Cause that's how you actually make an impression. And she's like, okay. So like, that Maybe was like a calculated thing. thing. Yeah, just do right. it. And then like seem interested in me as a person. Like you don't have to be like patting yourself on the back for how you picked a strategic moment. But it doesn't clearly completely undermine her connection with Martin because they have an, a nice conversation. Yes. And she says the thing about how he has so much layers and depth. And they make out, which is always a good sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While Will is away from the group, presumably having some of his time with Michelle or taping interviews or something, Peter decides that he's going to take that bomber jacket for a spin. First of all, very not maverick move by Will to leave the coat unattended with Peter on the prowl. Fair point. I know. Will, buddy, just take the jacket with you. We know that Peter is not above harming the jacket. Peter steals the bomber jacket, throws it over his shoulders. He's like peacocking in front of the other guys. He's like, I think it looks better on me, actually. I might have to rock it for a little bit. And he walks off with the jacket. The other men are just like, oh, God. <laughs> Sit it's down. So, I feel like Nate brings a lot of this energy and, like, Olu, too, that, like, that they're so shocked that they just laugh. Well, it's like that awkward, that awkward yeah. incredulity where you're just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, really? Uh, I guess okay. you're doing this? moment yeah (laughs) he's walking away and they're all going like what but like why like why what why so ultimately of course peter throws the beautiful bomber jacket into the pool and he comes back without the jacket and all the other guys are like oh my fucking god where peter where's the jacket (laughs) peter what did you do how are you gonna ruin our date this time. You can tell they were all just waiting anxiously for the jacket safe return. Cause like, there's no pause. Like the second that he comes back, they're like, where's the jacket, man? Like, <laughs> right. we're, did you we do? knew this was oh, going to happen. God, like, what did you do? <laughs> and Peter's like, it was dirty. So I had to give it a little bath. And he's like, now Will will know like what it's like to be disrespected. Like I've been. And the guys are all again, just like nervous laughing. Um, they're like, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> like, what's going on? And we see Nate and his in the moment saying, I was laughing, but in that moment was when I started taking a couple steps back from Peter. I was a little disappointed in him. Why? I was like, Nate, your opinion of him was too high, but I'm right. glad to see <laughs> that you're coming. Yeah. Up. Like, I'm sorry it took you this long, but yes, step away. That yes. seems to be the correct move. Yeah. Will comes back and immediately is like, where's the jacket? And the guys reveal that Peter dunked it in the pool. I guess the jacket is just chilling in the pool during all of this. Yes. Um, Presumably. No one wanted to go get the jacket. Okay. So Will is obviously very upset and is like, Peter's been pushing my buttons from day one. Like, I called it and he's just getting worse. And... 
the guys are clearly like on his side at this point, but they still don't really want to get into a whole thing that's going to ruin another date. Poor Rick is just like very adorable. He's like, I'm tired of going on dates with Peter. <laughs> I really like Rick. Yeah, he's growing. He's on really me. been growing on me. Yep. There's something about the way that like the phrasing of this even that's very like your five year old, you know, being like, I'm tired of having play dates with Justin. You know, <laughs> it's just like it's so guileless almost. Like he's just like, This is how I feel. I'm tired of it. And Nate tries to kind of talk Will into keeping a stoic face for the sake of the date. He's like, as long as you just stay chill, just like kick back, you'll forever be regarded as the bigger man. This is some good advice. It is good advice. And it does, I think, save the day. I don't know if Will was going to to start anything, but that is the approach that saves the date for Michelle. Uh, And I think Will does the right thing here where he's like obviously very angry very upset and he's just like okay I need a second and he chokes up he starts to cry Mm -hmm. and he just like walks away and takes some time with producers and doesn't seem to at least as far as we see kind of bring that back to the group and I'm like this is honestly a good tactic in conflict like when you're really amped up take a walk He's setting a healthy boundary. He's just pressing pause on this conversation because he feels himself getting too emotional. He's going to step away. I think and- he and Victoria P. have <laughs> a future together um, bonding over therapeutic tactics. Yeah. And he does, you know, he leaves. He talks about how upset he is. He earned the jacket and there was a meaning behind it about how in his life with Michelle, they'll overcome any obstacle like okay, might be putting like a little too about much your cool on the jacket, bomber jacket. But, like we get it. But yeah, I do understand. Like that. Look, you don't get a lot of free clothing on these shows. <laughs> if someone um, gave me a beautiful jacket, and then later that very same day, someone threw it in a chlorinated pool, I would cry. I almost cried the other day because I broke a butter dish that West Elm no longer sells, and it was <laughs> devastating. butter dish. I'm fine. Okay, so (laughs) Peter returns to the group. He's looking jaunty. He's feeling good. I I guess he probably just had his time with Michelle because he asked how they're feeling. And Nate's like, how are you feeling? And Peter's like, oh, really freaking good, man. There's just something about Michelle that just... And Nate's like, no, bro, we don't want to hear about that. (laughs) Like, we don't care. And And Clayton, this is when Clayton kind of gets into it. And he's like, "Uh, man, you... You threw Will's jacket in the pool. And Peter responds with, love you, bro. Stay out of it. I'm not stressing. Like, okay, good for you, Peter, that you're not stressing. But you're impacting everyone else here. That is just such an obnoxious response. The guys are all trying to get him to admit that he's, like, putting their time with Michelle at risk of being consumed by drama by, like, needlessly escalating conflict with will and he's just like are you dating me or are you dating michelle like take it up with michelle like he's stay horrible. out <laughs> terrible he's like terrible. one thing's for sure don't bother me like bother <laughs> michelle for sure that's fine i don't care if you bother michelle <laughs> i'm not stressed um will heads back to the group and nate is like all right everybody buckle the fuck up <laughs> But Will just sits down quietly. Like, it seems like this is the point where he and Peter are confronted with each other after the bathing jacket incident. And 
nothing happens. Uh, afterwards, P- Will says that he d- didn't want to ruin Michelle's night by making more of it. But he's like, if she found out, she'd probably finally know like what kind of guy Peter is. So mm-hmm. it's quite possible that if it came to it, Will would have eventually gone oh, to, to Michelle. <laughs> yeah, but at this but, point. But he holds off. He, he holds off. There's some restraint uh, exhibited here. Yeah, but Michelle ultimately awards the group date rose to Martin, and they get some extra time, a private concert with a string ensemble playing Take My Breath Away, a song that I think is associated with the Top Gun film franchise. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, it's almost as if there is a film coming out soon in theaters. I think it's called hmm. Top Gun Maverick. I wish they had mentioned it a few more times. I, I know. I keep forgetting, but I'm... Thank you. And if we only knew who was going to be in it, man, what a yeah. time. If I it know. were anyone cute, we'd, we'd have to watch, <laughs> but that remains a mystery. Who knows? Uh, so they head off to dance to take my breath away and make out. And meanwhile, Will is fishing his sodden jacket out of the pool. Oh, that was so sad. <laughs> and on that somber note we're gonna take a quick break and be right back with the other two dates can you keep up i like love it if you want to bring coziness into your life uh and i mean who doesn't (laughs) turn to barefoot dreams especially right now because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired... The robe, and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually 
work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love to see it. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. A date card arrives for the one-on-one date this week. And it is for Rodney. Love is about letting go. The theme of Rodney's date is, why would anyone want to go on a date with Rodney? Which is a huge bummer. Like, I feel like they really foregrounded the idea that Rodney is not cute enough to go on a date with. Um, Which is rude. Like, why was this the main theme of the date? Rodney is my short king, you know. I am... Now rooting for him. He seems like a lovely, pleasant, fun person. Um, but I hate that 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 was the undertone of of this date that he is the underdog, the short underdog. Um, but he's probably like five. I don't know. I imagine he's like five eight, five nine. That's the thing. Like Michelle is like five ten. I okay. think yeah, she's quite I tall. think they're all just really tall. Like Nate is six eight. We have to keep reminding ourselves this. You could be really tall and still not be the tallest guy in this room. Yeah, if you're six feet tall, you're, like, short among these men. Right. They're all, they're playing it like Rodney, the, the troll under the bridge who crawled yeah. his way in here, and he's just gutting it through on heart and wit. And I'm like, he's a pretty good-looking guy who is probably, like, reasonably tall <laughs> compared to most guys um but he's not he's not getting that narrative on this season and in his in an in the moment reaction to the date card malik even expresses this in like a really rude way i thought he's like rodney is a great guy but i don't see him as much of a contender i think she's gonna keep him in the friend zone you know what i'm saying okay (laughs) so i'm not worried about it but he's a great guy though 
And he keeps laughing. He's like, I just I just can't help laughing when I talk. Like, it's so ludicrous that Rodney could go on a date with Michelle. I was really irritated. And poor Rodney even is like, I have to almost apologize that I'm here. He's like, yeah, I'm not the tallest. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the most handsome. But I have the biggest smile. And I was like, Rodney, don't talk yourself down. <laughs> Give right. Michelle a chance to decide. <laughs> Right. I'm also like, we're rooting for you, dude. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> also, he's not like some troll. Like right. he's a hot guy that got cast to go on reality television. Exactly. It, like <laughs> it really made me think about like, what if I were actually cast on the show through some sort of stunt casting? Like, what would the narrative around me be? I mean, I I would definitely be like crying and apologizing for being there. So oh, yeah, I'd be like, I know I'm not attractive at all. I know my face looks like a potato, but I'm so, just going to prove to him that I have worth. He should still be nice to me. Like, it's just brutal. Um, there seems to be like a little bit of frankenbiting going on to make it sound like this is why he's nervous about his date with Michelle. Like, it definitely was sort of him being like, I'm nervous about my date with Michelle because, and then there's, like, a clip, and then he's like, I've never been the tallest in the room or the strongest. Yeah, or the most I don't handsome. think that's what he was actually saying. I think mm-hmm. that they're really pushing that that narrative for him, but... Yeah, but, he, yeah, he's clearly expressed it to Michelle as well. Um, she goes into the date knowing that he feels like an underdog here. And I think giving him, like, an early early in the season one-on-one. Like, this is the date that often goes to the winner. Like, the second one-on-one of the season. Like, we're getting into that sweet spot of, like, the front runner. Like, three to four, like, episodes in. They often get a one-on-one. Um, and so she meets up with him and says their date will involve giving up control through truth or dare. Because trust is developed when you're outside of your comfort zone together. And so they're stepping outside of their comfort zone by having their one-on-one date sort of in the lobby area of the hotel where all of the cocktail parties are. (laughs) (laughs) So very much in their comfort zone. And they have a number of dares they have to complete. He blindfolds her for a role-reversed taste test. She had... Does significantly better than he did. Yes. I really enjoyed her little dig where he feeds her pizza. And she's like, according to Michelle, this is pizza. But according to Rodney, this is lasagna. (laughs) That episode had me cracking up when he like was literally messing up every single (laughs) taste. So funny. So endearing. Loved it. Um, They are dared to have one of them streak through the lobby while the other yells, this is our journey through a megaphone. This is a dare that was so obviously engineered to give them clips for the season trailer, which is what it has already been used for many times. Oh, yeah. Like a clip of Michelle yelling, this is totally our journey, Rodney, while he streaks. So it was very smart of them to to do that. Rodney obviously strips, runs around with only a pillow over his junk. But this is this is mean. Like, not only does he not really get to leave the hotel where they're all staying for the one-on-one, that means all the guys are there and can hear this going on and, like, come out to heckle him. He's on his romantic one-on-one with Michelle, and a bunch of guys are watching him run around in the buff. Rude. Rude. I felt I felt bad. Um, and Tasha and Caitlin like- watching, too. <laughs> Everyone. 
That was probably the worst part. He was like, other guys, sure. Two other hot women, like, (laughs) dear God. (laughs) Like, can I have a break? Uh, But finally, they get a room so they can have the truth portion of their date, which I guess is just sitting on a bed and being like, tell me something about you. That's true. (laughs) Just how every game of truth or dare has gone for me. Yeah. So he uh, she asked for something nobody knows about him, and he says that his biggest fear in life is passing away before he becomes a husband and father. And she says, for her, it is being complacent. And it is her downfall, because focusing on the next thing always can make you miss the moment, and that's life. And Rodney, you know, really steps up and is like, I think the last thing you are is complacent. And like, you should celebrate yourself and they connect beautifully and they, you know, they make out, they have a beautiful like connection. And Michelle says today, Rodney kept chipping away at that friend zone and was able to make it to the other side of that, the relationship zone. Mm. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Rose. I thought it was interesting here that she framed it indeed as he was in the friend zone. Yes. (laughs) he's like the rumors were correct (laughs) Ronnie was in the friend zone (laughs) so it's time for the night portion of the date they carry like a lantern down to a tiny rowboat to cross over to their romantic waterside dinner spot and as they sit down for dinner Michelle tells him how much she loves how playful he is her parents laugh together a lot she wants that in her relationship which is very sweet And then Rodney asks her what went wrong in her last relationship. And she says that um, basically what happened in her last relationship that she really struggled with was that her partner, who wasn't, I guess, a person of color, like, just didn't really understand some things she went through. And she mentions that the last time she was in this relationship, a woman uh, at the grocery store used the N-word at her, and that when she got home and was upset, her partner reacted by saying that she was giving the woman more power by being upset, and she had to justify her feelings to him. And she says, you know, I was allowed to have my reaction and my feelings about that and allowed to have them for as long as I wanted, and that I had to explain it. Like, that just shows that the relationship was never going to work. And Rodney says he had the same issue with his own last ex as well. So they connect over that. Um, This is the sort of thing that I just feel like we would never have heard just a couple seasons ago on this show. No, I totally agree. Yeah. And it also just felt like in a way that it didn't even on like Matt James's season, it just felt like a natural conversation versus like prompts to talk about race and how it affects your relationships um this felt like a natural flow of a conversation that felt authentic to their own experiences which i enjoyed and i i cringed every time they talked about race on matt james's season because i was like where is this gonna go how how is this gonna flow with the yeah. rest of this but um that yeah. season no, just felt I've, truly like no one was in any control of how any of that was going. Like, exactly. Or was, if they were, they were directing it extremely poorly. I mean, yeah, 
And I think it's worth noting, like, like, this is the first season where there is a Black executive producer. And, like, as we've talked about a lot, like, it makes a big difference when you have people at kind of every level of production of these shows who can relate to some of these experiences. And you're just going to have more of a check on things that could be harmful or or used in a way that feels gross um, when you just, like, diversify all of production. And so, fingers crossed, this is kind of where the show continues to head. I did enjoy that this conversation came out of just Rodney asking her a very open-ended question. And yep. that is totally a question you would ask someone when you're first starting to date. Like, what's your relationship experience? You know, how did your last relationship end? Where? What do you want differently for the future in a partner? Like, these are real and normal questions rather than just, like, trauma dumps. Right. And it's, like, obvious as a viewer the difference between those two things. Yep. Yeah. It's a conversation. Like, they're finding commonalities. Right. And, and commonalities in their experience and also just in how they would handle a situation like that and, like, what they what they want in a partnership. And um, so they talk about, like, how they would get through all the challenges in life together. They make out. And Michelle again brings up him calling himself an underdog and that he's not the tallest or best looking in the room. Theme of the episode. And then she's like, which I could disagree. That was good. That was cute. Just throwing it out there. Um, and she says, I don't see you as an underdog. And then she says, I'd absolutely love if you'd accept the rose. <laughs> and he's like, you're lucky. Oh. You're so cute. Yeah. I love that movie. I loved it. So good. <laughs> it was so cute. They have a very fun, like, energy together. I really enjoyed enjoyed their conversations. And... They get back in the boat. They make out some more. Rodney's feeling things. Michelle seems to be feeling things. Everything's coming up, Rodney. Meanwhile, the second group date card has arrived. It is for Jamie, Leroy, Chris G, Casey, Malik, Chris S, Brandon, and Romeo. I want a man who can express himself. Jamie has, of course, a little comment to make about this. I think we have a clip. It's an interesting dynamic right now. People feel like nervous, and I'm like, I don't yet to feel nervous. You know, I'm in a, a fortunate position where I feel comfortable and confident with uh, Michelle. I got something for us. And I know that we have that trust and that foundation. So Jamie's in a good headspace. You know it's a good sign <laughs> when a man just speaks about himself in third person. Mm -hmm. This really crept up this episode. Suddenly, Jamie was outside of himself, like, half the time he was talking. Like, all of a sudden, he's a guy who refers to himself in the first person or in the third person. I have to wonder if they withheld that in earlier edits so that they could build him up a little bit. Because once a guy does that, it's over. Like, that's a tell. That's a villain move. Yeah, yeah, you really... Look, they knew that he was going to have a dramatic and truncated run and they really needed to create that <laughs> that you know um dramatic arc and they did he's like you know it'd be nice if i get the rose at the end of the state so i don't have to pack that would be cool 
Some might say that his confidence is starting to shade into arrogance a little bit in an unappealing way. I'd say it's like predominantly arrogance at this point. I mean, I don't remember if it was last week's episode or the episode before where he was on the couch talking to the guys and he was like, you know, I want to see what she has to offer for me or whatever. So this was all there, y'all. This was all (gasps) there. Will called Peter a narcissist, but like, Jamie? Jamie? (laughs) Jamie has a high opinion of Jamie. Jamie has just finessed his narcissism a little bit more. It's it's not all quite as on the surface. And the guys mostly actually seem to like him. There are some moments where they're like, oh, he's not grateful enough for this one-on-one or, oh, like, that's an annoying thing to say. But it seems like he's part of the group. And they're they're kind of getting along. But deep inside, Jamie despises them. Like, he just has contempt for, like, everyone who isn't Jamie. Uh, He doesn't understand why they might have feelings other than confidence and trust in themselves. (laughs) He's like, why would you be nervous? Um, Nervousness is for lesser beings. But he's also sort of excited to hang out with these guys on the group date. Because he's like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to, like, compete with the other guys. Like, just test my skills against them. It's funny. I actually think that when he said, when he said, like, oh, I want to see, like, whether Michelle fits my life, I was sort of on board. I was like, yeah, that's, like, actually a thought about having a relationship with someone. Like, do we fit each other? The problem was then he kept talking after that. That was a problem. But also to say, like, I just want to compete with the other guys on a group date is counter to that. Like, it suggests he's there to, like, win a game. And... He's just obsessed with how, like, all the other guys can't measure up to him. Like, oh, there's so much pressure on them to be on a group date with me, knowing how much time I've had to establish trust with Michelle. He's obsessed with how he's established trust. It's like it's a currency for him. Like, Jamie, no one else is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. He started off so cute. And then... I know. I know. (laughs) But the problem now is that, like, the more that he talks and the more that we see of him... Uh, showing these flaws, the more I also start to notice all his, like, cute little things that he does. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's, like, a put-on. Like, he'll do those little eyebrow Eyebrows, raises. yep, yep, yep. Like, at first, you're like, oh, a cute little mannerism. Like, that's charming. And now I'm like, chill with the eyebrows, Jamie. Like, they're not all-powerful. Like, you can't get out of anything with a little quirky eyebrow raise. Like, you think you're so freaking adorable. Um, so they all meet up with Michelle outside for their activity outside a building on the resort and jamie is like dancing around with the other guys like showing enthusiasm ready to do this group date and michelle says that the activity will be expressing themselves and they head inside and who should it be but chris g's favorite spoken word performer his idol you know what francisco i usually don't believe the contestants when they say that they recognize whoever the like quote-unquote celebrity guest is but i actually believe that chris g is a rudy francisco fan oh yeah oh truly and it only got more believable when he actually did his spoken word? Did spoken word. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I feel vindicated that, like, we said from moment one, like, this guy talks with the cadence of a spoken word poet. 
And clearly that is what he's aspiring to. So like we were picking up on something real. Yeah. I mean, there's also such a difference between when the guys say like, oh, and like we get in there and it's Rudy Francisco up on stage, the incredible spoken word poet performing. You know, they were clearly told that by a producer. They're trying to make it sound like they knew who he was. But Chris G is legitimately like, he is the reason I got hooked on spoken word. Rudy's my man. Like, I was just like, I'm so excited. He's like clutching the guy next to him and just like looks like he's about to pass out. You can't out. fake that. Can't None of these men are good enough, good enough actors for that. Absolutely not. When Rudy finishes his poem, he's like snapping his fingers, coffee shop style. Like, he's part of the culture. He's like, this is my thing. And... So the challenge that Rudy sets them is to show communication by sharing a personal story in spoken word form. The guys, you know, spoken word is not something you can just, like, do, you know? It's its own art form. <laughs> it, so, like, it some of the guys... It skills, generally. It's its own thing. Some of the guys, like, write a poem and read it, and that's fine. Some of the guys just sort of talk. Chris G... <laughs> really does spoken word. He actually does yes. do spoken word. He committed so hard, and I, I, yeah. he's like, I, I feel like he's, a, I'm in kindergarten again. Yeah, she's the maple leaf, and he's the crayon, and the wall is the paper, and we're building it up between us with every touch that touches us inside. He's like that we see. <laughs> Michelle, I was literally cringing because I hate <laughs> the spoken word cadence. And I was like, he is too good at this that I am, like, literally recoiling on my couch as I watch this because it's just too much. problem is that, like, the cadence, when it's not accompanied with a lot of actual skill, is just deeply painful. It reminds me of, like, the particular embarrassment that I used to feel trying to do, like, a French accent in French class. It felt so embarrassing because my level of French was very low. So I was like, if I try to do the accent, it'll seem like I think I'm better at speaking French than I am. So I should match the level of my French to the level of my accent here. And Chris is just like, no, you got to do the accent, man. You got to do the spoken word like cadence. And, you know, don't worry about whether you're good enough to pull it off. And I feel a lot of secondhand embarrassment for that, yep. but I love his enthusiasm. He committed. I, 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 I'll give him that. He's probably like, it's been a while since I've gotten to really just like pull out my coffee shop shit and like, it feels good. Like, it feels good to be up here. And we don't see most of the performances at length, but we also do see a bit of Jamie's. I think we might have a clip of this. Uh, I lost my book, so um, I'm just going to have to spit from the heart here and uh, hope it all comes out well. But uh, I'm actually going to leave everybody with a story. And so the story has to do with a girl who is on her way home and decides to take a shortcut through the woods. Along the way, she steps foot off of her path and gets lost. Jamie didn't follow the assignment. He wasn't telling a personal story. He wasn't telling a personal poem. She wanders further and further into the woods more and more getting lost and confused on which way to go. As she turns the bend, she sees her guardian angel. Jamie might be preparing to be a motivational speaker slash cult leader and tells us a parable. It was odd. She goes to her angel, she says, I'm lost. 
The angel responds, I know, and points her back to her pack. Jamie had some weird TED talk that wasn't to Michelle, it was to like all of us about a rabbit down a road or something like that. I don't know. Oh my God. Oh my God. Casey and Brandon slayed me with their responses. Like all the men are very clearly like, sir, you were given time to write a poem. Where's like your- this is also you lost your you book. Lost what, your you're, book? You're in a room. You're in a single. He thinks he's being cute. Space. He thinks he's being so cute. He's like, I'm gonna go up there and do just like off the cuff. I'm not gonna have a book, and that'll be really impressive. Also, you're not spitting from the heart. <sighs> like, yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> spit from the heart by telling some tortured like little. <laughs> parable about a girl walking down the road and meeting her guardian angel by the way i want to know the actual narrative arc of this story because based on the bits we heard what the fuck yeah i don't even understand what the point of this terrible story was supposed to be then michelle goes last and reads her own letter her own uh spoken word in the form of letter called dear soulmate which sort of gets into her own dating history and she says that she was often the token black girl growing up. She had to conform to sort of white norms in order to be invited to parties and included, and she was never asked on dates. She says she was the girl who was picked first for basketball and last for prom. Another thing I remember from the season trailers, and all she's ever wanted is love. And this actually was quite personal. Michelle did follow the assignment. Yeah, Michelle's was vulnerable. Definitely the best of the group. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the the most affecting that I think we actually heard. Although when when Brandon reads his poem to her, in which he asks her, in which he asks her not to give up on eternity, <laughs> that was also very moving. Don't give up on me. Don't give up on eternity. Oh, he had he had to make sure we knew that it rhymed, y'all. That that yeah, was... you gotta hit. Yeah, I mean, you know what? This is a mortifying assignment, so (laughs) I'm going to just give that one to Brandon. Yeah, it was horrible. Jamie's still feeling very confident after telling his little Aesop's fable to the group, and he says he feels no level of competition with the other men. His only competition is with himself and showing up as the best Jamie. Uh, Again, this is a tick for him. Another reference in the third person. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently there are a bunch of Jamies and they're all out there with him. And but he one has of them is the best. One, one of, of them is the, the best. And that is the one he needs to put forward. Exactly. Brandon gets some one-on-one time with Michelle and he is ready to set the tone that their relationship is immaculate. Oh, poor sweet Brandon just keeps yeah. mixing up his words. Listen, he's clearly not a wordsmith. That's not his strength. But I just love the the immaculate thing to me is like, is such a like, it's a reach. Like, he's like, I'm going to be the wordsmith guy. Like, I can step it up for Michelle. She's a teacher. She wants a guy who like, can really put his sentences together. I'm going to like, throw in those three and four syllable I like that he goes for it. Yeah. And I think that Michelle appreciates how like genuinely sweet and earnest he is. Like he's trying to connect with her and that effort is visible in a way that is quite endearing. Yeah, every time he shows up, I'm always like, 
Oh, Brandon. Oh, I know. And I can't tell if it's just that we're like so much older than him. That I'm like, oh, sweet little baby Brandon. Exactly. Yeah, definitely like younger brother vibes a yes. little bit. Yeah. Um, yes. And he is a little bit younger than Michelle, but not a lot. I, no, I only like two it. years, like one or two years. Yeah. And he does tell her that he related to her poem. He says he had a similar experience to her growing up. And he says that being, you know, biracial and black, you know, and a predominantly white high school, he says he felt pressured to, quote, pick a side. And Michelle says that she is very attracted to him. We see some clips of her with the other guys. Leroy brought her kente cloth. Romeo says something about Spock that I didn't understand. Uh, which Romeo is, usually- is really cute. Yes. Romeo's I cute, need but more Romeo. I, I don't know. Like it's something about his. It's really doing it for me. He's not popping though. I thought if he stayed this long, he would be popping more. I know he's not, but I just keep staring at him. <laughs> I'm like, that dude is hot. Yes, he is. He's he's leaned on the Romeo and Juliet thing too much too. He I know. Did Romeo and Juliet look, again I, with his poem, and I was like, that was your opening line to move Michelle. along from this. Move theme. along. She she needs to know more than your name at this point. While we're seeing these clips, we're hearing Jamie just, like, yammer on and on about how, like, he's on a different level from all of the other guys. He's, like, so much better than them. And during his time with Michelle, he proves this by sitting down with her, telling her that he sees himself in her story from the date. And it made him see that there was also something they had in common and not just the differences in their story. And she's like, I love that. And he's like, yeah. And does the eyebrow pop at her. And then he says in his interview, I'm looking at a person who's staring me back in the eyes, and I can tell that she's, like, captivated. Oh. I was like, Jamie, I'm sorry. You just had, like, basically the same line for her that Brandon did, and you didn't even do as much with it. And then you're just like, yeah, eyebrows. And you think that you're, like, head and shoulders above this competition? Like, get a reality check, dude. And he he sort of does, although he's resistant to it, because the rose goes to Brandon, who is just adorably delighted by getting the rose. And Jamie is furious. Yeah, he literally is like, I got the rose in the bag, and then he doesn't get it. And he immediately, as they leave, he walks over to his producer and is like, we need to talk. (laughs) It's like, I didn't get my, my justly earned rose. And he seems to, I don't know, what? forget that the cameras that he's still mic'd all of it cameras are still on him all of it because he has um a revealing conversation that i think we have a clip of i'm like really competing with brandon for a woman's attention you're telling me that we're in the same league and i'm like we're not even close like i gotta wait for six weeks to get to the end of this really felt like it would be a stronger group of guys. As the nationwide search, where are they at? I think that the challenging part with Michelle right now is that she's basically just in spring break mode. It's a little bit of a turnoff. If you genuinely thought that your husband was in the room, like, do you go spring break mode? I'm not gonna judge it. it. Doesn't mean I can't make fun of it. <laughs> okay, like fuck you, dude. Fuck you, Jamie. I'm not going to judge it. Doesn't mean I can't make fun of it. That's our thing. 
Like, get a podcast, bro. Like, do not go on this show and waste Michelle's time. Yeah, right. incorrect medium, okay? Mm. What the fuck was that? Mm. Like, what a fucking dick. I'm sorry. I what? just, I've, I, They bleep it. What does he call Michelle? Like, Tamika, our producer, noticed this. We both missed it. That what The way that it's bleeped, it definitely sounds like he's saying Michelle is a bleep on spring break mode. <gasps> so clearly he fucking called her some epithet. Like, I fully, that went over my head. And, and it, when I, I just heard, I assumed it was just like on fucking spring break mode. But yeah, it kind of would make more sense. It's, it's fucking gross. And also, what is he talking about? Like, how is she on, like, is she, I'm sorry, is she flashing people for beads? Is she getting wasted every night and passing out in a pool of vomit? Like, she is just like, she's having conversations and romantic interludes with these men. That is her job. It's also kind of funny because I actually feel like she's one of the more like stoic leads where she's just very much like, I have an intention here. Let me methodically make my way through all of my options and see if I connect with them. Like, so it doesn't even make sense. It just reeks of his own insecurity and bitterness. And it shows that he's a person who, when he feels insecure, he lashes out on the people around him. And like, frankly, that's not a good quality for a partner. And then he's like, yeah, I'm supposed to sit around for six weeks. Oh, so you think you've won this? What? Also, like, sir, again, you went on this show. Do you understand that this show takes an amount of time? Yeah, like, what did he think he would be spending these six (laughs) weeks on? Like, he thought he would be making a higher quality of male friend from this show? Like, he thought that Michelle would simply be attached to his side for the entire six-week run and would be like, I can't have a conversation with the other men because I'm too enamored with Jamie. Like, what did he think was going to happen? I'm completely done with it. There, when he, <laughs> when Jamie, like, initially came out, there was, like, a little bit of the confidence to me I can find a little grating, but it can also be refreshing on this show. You're like, this guy isn't coming out being like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. Hi, you're pretty. Like, he comes out. He seems at ease. There is an appeal to that. But sometimes it is like a fucking red flag on this show if you're too comfortable in this environment right away. It's like, what's what's going on with you that you don't care what other people are going to think of you? Are you that, like, convinced that you're perfect? Jamie is, for sure. <laughs> he definitely like, is. this dude just sucks. <laughs> He's horrible. Yeah. And, like, dude, you're, you're a fucking moron that you would just say this and assume that it wouldn't get used yeah I actually really love that it feels like the show is getting more and more willing to lean into these like pseudo off-camera moments I mean obviously we saw it on paradise now we're seeing it here and like damn it's brutal and it's effective yeah it's clear that this is what he's like behind the scenes but you actually see it I just like can't get over the fact that Michelle is acting like a very like demure version of the bachelorette and he's describing this as being on spring break mode like i just like the thought of what he would expect how he would expect michelle to behave in order to be worthy of his time it also made me feel really gross his comment about like oh where's that nationwide search which like both is an insult to the men but also sort of implies that like oh michelle couldn't draw in a better group of men like they did a whole search just for her and this is what she got like the whole thing yeah. is 
so gross. I mean, I already from just from him not speaking up last week about the conversation he had with with Michelle um, just turned me off of him. Even the little bit of attraction that I had to him at first. And this week, it's just like, get this man out of here. ASAP. Yeah, no. And oh, I'm just like covered in like discomfort like goosebumps now whenever he's on screen like there's just all his little mannerisms and everything just like make me physically uncomfortable like the way that peter has from the beginning like i just don't want to be around him um and on that note i think we have to take a quick break and we'll be right back to discuss the cocktail party can you keep up i like love it okay So you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. (laughs) So important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some pretty delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, high Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time, and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house— my house, my apartment, (laughs) you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee, sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really, like, elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it, so comfortable, so chic, also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. 
And we're back. And the men are wondering if there will be more drama tonight. Unfortunately for them, yes, yes, there will be. I think that they're they're afraid, but also hopeful that the situation will be settled once and for all. Because at this point, it's been like a week in showtime uh, since someone brought some shady gossip to Michelle. And they still don't know who it was. And they don't know if that person's still there. But I think that based on the fact that Michelle seemed to take that person's word seriously, they could probably assume that that person is still there. And if there's never any more pot stirring, they may never know who that person is. So Jamie is just, like, not feeling nervous about this. He's like, I don't feel any pressure. It's just another night to focus on Jamie being Jamie. He says this to the other guys, by the way. Again, he says the thing that makes him the least likable to the other men. This is the thing. Jamie has main character derangement syndrome. Like, Jamie thinks that he is the main character of the show. And, like, he thinks they all just want to sit around and listen to him talk about, like, how he can best, like, represent himself and, like, show all sides (laughs) of himself as the protagonist of this show they're watching. And, like, that's not what this is, Jamie. Like, that no one is here... For the Jamie journey to find love. <laughs> also, Jamie, I'm sorry. Michelle is the main character. <laughs> Michelle is the main character. Show. Look at her dress. She looks, she enters the cocktail party looking like a literal fucking Oscar statuette. Yes. That is the main character. Yeah, do you look like an Oscar statuette, Jamie? No, Jamie. <laughs> no, Jamie, you do not. She's wearing just a glittering gold gown with like a hip high slit. It is. Ugh. Oh, I loved this So dress. good. So good. Nate steals her immediately and tells her that whenever he's with her, he just wants to run away. And you can tell that Michelle really likes Nate because she's like, okay, let's do it. And she takes off her heels and they run across the courtyard, like away from the main cocktail party area. And they find a private nook in the bushes so that they can have their, like, essentially normal cocktail party conversation that's like, yeah, we really get along and, like, we balance <laughs> each other and there's something, like, really good here. Like, let's make out. Um, but there's definitely that moment where you can just tell that if Nate wants to suggest something like that, that Michelle is like, I'm in. Yeah. Like, <sighs> back with the group, all the guys are just waiting for another shoe to drop on last week's drama and Rick is ready to be the other shoe. He's ready to be on a platter. He's ready to be a shoe. He will play any role in Michelle's journey. He wants to protect her. Honestly, he plays this pretty well. He does. Yep. I was cheering for him. I was like, yes, (laughs) this is what I need. (laughs) Of all ways to handle it, I don't see a better one. He basically sits with Michelle and says, Whoever came to you last week about people questioning your character, nothing could be further from the truth. I'm close with lots of the guys. I don't think any of them ever questioned you. And the person who came to you, I have to think they did it maybe to earn your trust or to get some sort of advantage by, like, making her suspicious of – making you suspicious of the others. And this clearly knocks Michelle back a little bit. Um, she seems to be surprised at first, but then she's like, huh, 
Okay, so the person who said it to me was Jamie. And now Rick that you're genuinely this, surprised. Yep. Yeah. They all seem to think that Jamie is like the type who is like confident enough that he would say so in public if he had said it to Michelle in private. And Michelle's like, you know, actually now that you bring this up, I am seeing a red flag here. And maybe I should address this conversation again. It's interesting. I feel like this always happens that, like, someone brings the information to the lead and they take it kind of at face value because what else do you do? But then as soon as someone else questions it, they're like, oh, actually, there were a lot of holes in that thing. Maybe I should go back (laughs) and ask some more questions. Um, And so she's reopening the case into the rumors in the house based on Rick's allegations here. And I think it also suggests that she has some trust for Rick, that, like, she she thinks he's also someone to take seriously, even compared to Jamie, who she had this good connection with. I think Rick has shown himself to, like, be a little bit more unassuming, not in the center of the drama, not one to consistently talk about the other men. So if he's coming to her about this, and he didn't do it in a way where he, like, said, hey, we all really need to know who said this to you. Like, he just said do with this what you will, but, like, I need you to know that none of us said that. Um, and so she she rightly, you know, just trusts him. Takes it on board, yeah. Rick, meanwhile, goes back to the group and tells Nate and Casey that it was Jamie who told Michelle um, that people were questioning her. And Nate's like, all right, well, I want both sides of the story. Let's get Jamie up here. I love actually for this, as the drama starts to percolate more during these cocktail parties, this balcony forward uh, sort of um, reception area where they all are is incredible. So they're like leaning over the balcony and they're like, Jamie, come up here. Like, come up to us on this balcony. Yes. And it's very Shakespearean. And Jamie comes up and joins them. And Rick explains what he learned from Michelle. And they ask... Jamie, well, so what did you say to her? And I think we have a clip of Jamie's response. So my comment to Michelle was that, well, it wasn't necessarily even my comment to Michelle. Um, um, There's been conversation going on the entire day throughout the house um, about speculation between whether or not um, Joe and Michelle knew each other before. And my comment to Michelle was that, hey, all of the speculation that's been going on has essentially created, like, this character in the room. And when so, did that happen? I'm sorry? When did all the speculation create a character in the room? I feel like nobody in the house was talking about it. Agreed. Um, I wasn't really involved in a lot of the conversations throughout the day because I had been in my room. Weird, dude. How's so? Weird. Like, because, like, you keep on saying, like, I have no clue, but let me talk to Michelle about, you know, there's this character in the room with all this conversation, but you can't say who was having the conversation. I don't have specific names yeah. because I wasn't part of conversations, like I said. I think that... So what, what exactly It was, was just the open-ended questions. And if that question doesn't get resolved, then now it's open for anybody sitting at home to speculate on it. Now... Wait, who's sitting at home? Some of the viewers? Yeah. Viewers. No, I'm talking about, like, what did you say to Michelle? Flip on the outside, guys. Why don't you just, like, think about it. If someone airs an episode and everybody's sitting here talking Wait, why about... why are we talking about episodes? Why the f- are we talking about episodes? I don't think you what get it. What the f- I don't Dude. think that you get it. 
Oh, Nate I'm is sorry. so good. I Nate, love Nate. Nate. He is Ain. sharp as hell. And this is a difference because these are two men who exude a sense of confidence, but in completely different ways. And Nate is confident enough to call out bullshit. He's like, wait, what? No. What are you talking about? Like, I also lived through this thing and I'm not going to let you, Jamie, shake my sense of what occurred. So explain yourself. And he can't. He simply cannot. He just clears his throat for like several minutes. And pauses. I'm like, okay, what lie is he about to come up with to, to tell this story? No one pauses that long before they tell a true story exactly. about something that happened last week. <laughs> like, well, what are you doing, dude? And we all know weeks on this show are more like three, three days. days. <laughs> Wild. Like, and to be like, oh, it's what I said to Michelle. Uh, <clears throat> well, <laughs> it's not actually what I said to Michelle. Goes on to describe literally only something that he said to Michelle. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. Also, I was aware of the conversations, but also was unaware because I was in my room all day exactly. and didn't participate in any of them. Like, it's like it was what? happening while I wasn't there, but I <laughs> but feel I confident it about it. It was happening. <laughs> the way that he says, like, the character created in the room, this is a guy who actually did, I think, come in with kind of a playbook for that he was maybe savvy enough not to print out and put in a binder. <laughs> but that is, like, such a thing such a move that you know it's been said on previous seasons of the show or it has been the kind of thing that's happened in the past and you're like well if i just evoke that phenomenon everyone will understand uh, that it's something that likely happened here like it fits into the bachelorette like universe of of tropes that like oh everyone's talking about this and it became a character in its own right, this monster that's overshadowing Michelle. But, like, it didn't happen. So, like, there's no, there's no there there for him to point to when anyone questions. He's just, like, evoking it. He's just gesturing at it. And they're like, oh, but say more about that. And he's like, oh, I wasn't there. <laughs> it's all misdirection. Um, like, everything he says is just to kind of direct their attention somewhere where they won't question the actual facts of the matter. Um, And it's not successful. And I think Nate is, like, prosecutorial in this conversation. He's really good. So delicious. Yes. It's really good. So effective. And it's so satisfying. It's so funny because Jamie's the one talking about the viewers. But from a viewer perspective, it's deeply satisfying to see Nate be like, fuck the viewers. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Fuck us, honestly. Who the fuck are we? And I think my favorite part, actually, is after this, Nate starts asking Jamie, like, are you threatened by Joe? And Jamie's like, what? Why would I be threatened by Joe? And starts getting, like, hot under the collar, because obviously he's threatened by Joe. And Nate's like, you know what? I'm going to stop talking now. This isn't isn't useful. And he leaves and sits down on the couch again. He's like, I'm done. I don't need this. Goodbye. Hero. I love his hero. He's my new hero. It's so good. Same. I'm so here for Nate. I really am. They all rejoin the group. Now everyone's pissed at Jamie. Jamie's like, I don't get what, like, the actual issue is. And the guys are all like, well, we all saw how upset she was. She opened the floor for conversation about it. You didn't take the opportunity to speak openly, um, even though she was really upset. And it was a chance to maybe air it out with the other guys there. Like, all the guys are like, do you see how... You sort of made her upset. 
in private and then you didn't take an opportunity to have a constructive conversation about it mm-hmm. and left her in the dark. And he's like, no, I don't understand. What's the question? Like, what are you saying? They're like, you should be a politician, man. Like, this is snake shit. Absolutely. He's... <laughs> I wouldn't vote for him, but damn. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Whenever someone's like, you should be a politician, it's like, he definitely shouldn't because the reason you're saying that is because you hate him. (laughs) Michelle returns to a very tense group. Uh, She's like, this is a weird vibe. What's going on? And Jamie, at this point, does decide to speak up and says, there was a conversation with you and Rick, and the takeaway from it was that there were individuals directly challenging your character And I feel that when I came to you, I conveyed that there weren't individuals doing that, but that the open speculation created a character in the house that had the potential to damage your character and Joe's character in the long term. And there's a pause. And then he says to Michelle, does that sound anything like our conversation? And it's clear that the answer is no. Like, Michelle... Look, she's like, um, no, because you literally told me a very specific story about how there were rumors circulating that I had been seen with a light skinned dude. So that does sound rather specific. And what's interesting here is that I think she has now now that she's had a beat and a prompt to reassess this conversation with Jamie, she's like, huh, he told me that story about how I was already booed up with a light skinned baller. He said that he heard that from his friend. Mm-hmm. Right. He so... brought that in by choice. <laughs> yep. Right. On camera to, in a sense, cause people to question my character. <laughs> right. So, like, are people, if people are talking about that other than Jamie, it's because he told them about it. Exactly. If he's only told it to me, why did he say it to me if he wasn't personally concerned? So she's like, why did you why did you add that? And he says, you know, to just address it and cut the head off the monster. And she's like, so you thought you were being preventative? And he's like, yes, exactly. He's like, <laughs> he's like mm-hmm. you nailed it. She's no. Like, no. <laughs> she's like, no, no one was going to talk about that here no. if you didn't Because do literally that, only so. you had this information exactly. and it was irrelevant and you chose to bring it up absolutely wild like i can understand why in the moment michelle he's one of the only guys she feels like close to she's like overwhelmed by this information she doesn't like quite catch that but like to not even lie and be like people are saying that like you were seen like with a boyfriend but to be like my buddy told me this like of course at some point she's gonna be like wait (laughs) that's a rumor from you that's a you this originated directly with you he literally said it did moron so michelle says she wants to talk to him outside she walks him out to discuss and says that the trust is broken the message he told her was not accurate the other story about his friend hearing she had a boyfriend you put that out there jamie you did that's not protecting me whatsoever yes michelle get get it it. get it I, like, aspire to Michelle's energy in this scene. She says, I'm very hurt by you right now. And the trust has been broken. I need to just be done with it. I'm going to lock you out. And she walks I need to just be done with it. (sighs) That is is a lesson we could all just carry into our everyday lives. Like, this is not serving me. I need to be done with it. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to, this This might be harsh, but I want to draw a little contrast to some things that happened 
on Katie's season where Katie would kind of take an opportunity to just shred a guy, to just personally be like, you're a piece of garbage, you're unkind, you're manipulative, etc. Based on maybe not quite enough information. <laughs> this is a moment where Michelle is very careful not to do that, even though he has acted atrociously to her. She says, I'm very hurt by you. And that is like not a condemnation of him. It is an expression of her feelings and why she can't be Continue pers- a relationship pursuing him, him anymore. Yeah, like right. it's such a mature way of handling it. I am much more likely to do the Katie thing. Um, even now that I'm married, I am still more likely to do the unhealthy thing and be like, you always say X and it hurts my feelings. <laughs> you know, to say in this moment, like, I'm hurt by what you did. And that's a problem for us to resolve and not to just be like, you piece of garbage. And I loved that. I, like, admire that so much. I know. I I aspire to that because I also am probably pettier. (laughs) (laughs) And to, like, call this woman, like, the person who's on spring break mode, like, when she has been so composed. Yeah, her composure is impressive because... Ain't no way I would have said said what I needed to say to Jamie. I'm, I'm like, get the hell up out of here. That's like the end yeah, of my like, conversation oh, with oh, him. Oh, you, you suck. You suck. That was bad. Just go. <laughs> exactly. Suck, I hate you. Goodbye. <laughs> and like, there, that probably would have been valid and I would have applauded it in its own way. But like, the emotional strength and, yeah. and uh, regulation being done, I just have to applaud it. And she walks him out. Bye-bye, Jamie, who thought he had this in the bag. At least he doesn't have to stay for another six weeks and compete with everyone who is so beneath him. I love that all the other guys are just like, oh, shit, she's walking him out. He's gone. So they have to cancel the rest of the cocktail party. um, And we go right into the rose ceremony. Roses go to Joe, Rick, Leroy, Nate, Casey, Chris G, Chris S, Clayton, Olu, Romeo. And the final rose goes to Will, which means that going home are Peter, Spencer, Malik, and LT. I am sad about Spencer. He's cute. I, was sad I don't about know. Spencer too. I know. I like Spencer. I actually was thinking that he's someone we could see on Paradise who would do really well. Yes. Yeah. Um, Peter, thrilled to see him go. Malik, I felt okay about until that rude little riff about Rodney. Now I'm like, fine, bye Malik. Yes. And LT has hardly spoken. I'm like, who is that? (laughs) Who, who is that? LT is the wellness guru, right? LT is interesting because his, uh, his Instagram captions give the impression of, like, extreme vivacity. Like, he <laughs> writes very, like, wordy, flowery Instagram captions, but we have seen him speak, like, three words, actually, on screen. <laughs> he saves it all for his Instagram posts. He's also the grandson of Clint Eastwood. Right. Which was never brought up. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Farewell. Random. And it looks like next week, Martin is going to get that one-on-one. Bodes well for Martin. Uh, and Chris is going to slot right in as our new villain now that both Jamie and Peter have exited. Yeah, Chris S., who I keep forgetting is there, but he's going to turn up to just stand in front of all the guys at the cocktail party and say, Michelle, some of these guys think they have it in the bag. <laughs> anyway, this isn't going to be uncomfortable for me at all. <laughs> yeah, when she gave him a rose, Chris S., a rose, I was like, 
who is that? And then immediately they're like, oh, he's the villain next. Next (laughs) up on The Bachelorette. I'm like, oh, great. Lovely. It's time for him to step into the spotlight. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Anytime. I'm here for y'all. And now it's time for Love to See It, Hate to See It. First, love to see it. We love to see Michelle observing bad behavior and immediately quashing bad behavior. She is so in control of this classroom. I'm sorry, this season of The Bachelorette. With Jamie, with Peter, she does not suffer fools. She's not here for their bullshit. That's what I want in a lead. Just calm, confident, collecting all of the shitty dudes. Just making moves. And speaking of moves, we also love to see Michelle getting into some actual romance. We're seeing the sparks of certain relationships with Rodney, with Nate, with Brandon. Like, this is starting to feel like a real romantic season, and we love to see it. I have to say, I love to see Chris G getting to meet his idol. It was a beautiful, authentic moment, really engaging with one of his off-screen interests. And that's not something you see every day. You know, it's not just basketball. Spoken word can also be a beautiful way to get people's interests on screen. Love that for Christy and and for us. And now, hate to see it. Sort of related to our last (laughs) love to see it. We hate to see really poorly done spoken word poetry, of which... There was a good deal. And and some terrible not spoken word poetry, like Jamie's parable. Yeah. I actually, I will say I would have loved to see more of Jamie's just to know the full contours of what was going on there. But I didn't enjoy what I did see of it. And I didn't enjoy much from that part of the date. Um, but at least we got Michelle's piece out of it. We also hate to see... Just a perfectly good bomber jacket being ruined by a chlorine soak. I love free clothing, and this is just offensive to my soul. One of the best parts of the Bachelor or Bachelorette season is when one of the contestants gets free clothing on a date, and you're like, man, at least they'll have something to really take away from this experience. And that was ruined for Will. It was heartbreaking. We also hate to see Peter, and to a lesser but real extent, Will, being just aggro man babies. It was hard to watch uh, the level of macho posturing that was going on between them, like jockeying to be the big dog on the date when we all know that the true big dog thing to do is to be a grown-up adult, just like everyone, mind your own business, behave. And finally, we absolutely hate to see Jamie over here treating Michelle and frankly all the other guys there with such condescension like he's just some fucking master from a higher plane and he's just vacationing among the mortals down from like Mount Olympus or something (laughs) I mean this fucking guy we hate to see it so glad that Some of these dudes are finally gone. And now it's time for our sportsiness rating. 
Out of 10 basketballs, you know, we had a very sportsy episode last week, maybe the most sportsy one ever on this franchise. And we had a precipitous fall this week. I think we're going to have to knock this down to a 3 out of 10 basketballs. I mean, yeah, we got a little bit of athleticism on the Top Gun date when they were just bashing the shit out of each other. But outside of that, not a lot of sportsiness. So, yeah, I feel good. feel good about a 3 out of 10. What could be less sportsy than spoken word poetry? Literally nothing. (laughs) I respect both things. They both add a lot to the world. But is is it a sporting event? No, it's not. And that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our guest, Aaron Evans. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Habib and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please rate five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show, especially to your friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions and voice memos. We might even feature you in an upcoming mailbag. You can also find us on Twitter at love to see it pod and Instagram at claireandemmapod. And you can find our newsletter on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week for more on Michelle's journey. Stitcher. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.